halfway there. You either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death. All the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy. Squeaking more than a dolphin. Rolling at the kids, soiling undies with skids. Wondering if we fuck it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Hi, I'm Camila Fantasia. Hi, I'm Jenny Terror. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor, and you're listening to Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. Woot, woot. Hello, hello, everybody. Kim, how does it feel to be back in Barbados? I think you were still in New York last time. It feels great. I've actually been here for two weeks. Oh, wow. Have you been going to the beach? I've been going to the beach. Uh, Yesterday, I just did some, like, regular life things and today too that just that made me feel like you know just a regular citizen I went to a hardware store it hardware slash kind of like Ikea and I um I bought a coffee maker and yesterday I just did a bunch of grocery shopping usually I got them delivered but I went to the grocery store and like it was a whole big thing I went to the mall place I ever stepped foot in in New York really. I mean, you know, I have before, but it was just wasn't a place that I thought of a lot. I just love the mall here. But yeah, that's what I've been Is it like to. a mall mall? Is it a fairly big mall? Yeah, there are several malls here. It's just, just exactly oh, cool. what you think of when you think of malls. Just malls. Right. But With they, a bunch of like, stores. They're local facing. They're not for like tourists to go and like buy discount jewelry and stuff like in <laughs> like in the Bahamas. Uh, well, there, there is like, there is a duty free store. I mean, I think at any place that has like so much tourism traffic there, there are those kind of stores, but yeah, Bayesians, everyday Bayesians go there, um, and buy stuff and shop. And, um, it is a holiday weekend, uh, this weekend, honestly, there are so many holidays here. I don't, I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to sound flip but like I cannot keep up with them I have to look it up it's a three-day holiday doesn't apply to me because I work remotely from New York so I don't get any of those but everybody's always like happy holiday and I'm like okay I'll be working (laughs) that's sweet I don't know what it is but it's probably not Columbus right it's yeah no it's it's not here on Cortez Day, right? Yeah, it's like pick your favorite colonizer day. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm actually. It's something a crazy name today. It's a crazy name, but I'm not sure what it is about. Yeah, you've also been, but traveling. um, yeah. You've also been traveling around the Northeast, right? Yes. So last weekend we went to Northampton, which is the capital of lesbians. And it was wonderful. (sighs) And it was actually really cool. We, I really, we really liked it. It's very funky. Um, And we had some of the best Moroccan food I've had in the United States. It's a family run restaurant called uh, Amunez. And I had a kind of a tangine kefir 
dish with rice and, and lamb meatballs. It was absolutely mm. delicious. And we really liked the vibe of the town. It's very, it's kind of funky. There's stuff to, there's like stuff to do without it being incredibly bougie. Like, you know, I told you we went to Great Barrington, which is a pretty intolerable place, honestly. <laughs> no offense to anybody from agree, Great Barrington. I disagree. Oh, come on. It is like Lockjaw Central. Um, <laughs> it's just money land. Uh, and I really felt like they were racially profiling my boyfriend in a way that kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, even though they all had Black Lives Matter signs, uh, they were like definitely giving him side eye because I think they. That's because he's so hot, though. They just wanted to check him out. Yes, he's so hot. He's, uh, you know, he's a pretty modest guy. Um, and he was it was like one of these things. It's not like the other. And when everything in the store costs like $200, I don't know. It was strange, um, but we really liked Northampton. I did see a Trump 2024 flag, however, flying in Northampton, which I thought was very bold considering it's like right by Smith College and I think probably a stronghold of liberalism. So I thought that was kind of, I'd like to say I thought it was hilarious, but I didn't think it was hilarious. I just clocked it. Um, and then on Friday, we went to Kingston, New York, which is also really nice. But weirdly, Kingston is owned by... Okay, so I just read this article about Kingston, New York. It's this kind of emerging hipster town upstate. Mm -hmm. And Warren Buffett's son, Peter Buffett, has like basically bought the town. He moved up there and bought like most of the real estate. So he's turning it into his version of the Truman Show. Like he's just by sheer, his sheer amount of largesse and money, he's basically doing his own central planning mm -hmm. without anybody in the town really being able to weigh in because he's got so much he's got billions and he's giving all these local nonprofits, the ones that he personally likes mm -hmm. these huge donations, like kind of life-changing <laughs> money for these organizations. So apparently nobody in the town can really, they can't really go up against him. They can, and he's like a good, you know, he's, he's like believes in sustainability and he, and all of the buzzwords, but, um, there's always zoning and ordinances, though. I mean, you can't just willy-nilly, even if you own all the land, just build whatever you want. You have to get through whatever the town council is. And Do they so, not have a city government? Yeah. yeah. They do, but he, okay, in the article I just read, he has more money than the city government. He has significantly yeah. more money than, I think he has like a, a, a $6 billion fortune i mean he's the inheritor of the buffett family one of the inheritors of the buffett family fortune they left him a i mean I, he's got I, a, I have to, a foundation anyway it was really then interesting. i have so, to ask about that yeah i just i just i wanted to ask about that because i that's actually one thing that i read about warren buffett is that he said he was not leaving money to his children i know is that but is that he, not the case it's not the case. He's effectively, he set up foundations for them. 
philanthropic foundations where they can in turn become philanthropists and give the money away. But it means that they have, I mean, Peter Buffett, if you, if you guys Google Peter Buffett and Kingston, this article, it's a deep dive um, into his role in Kingston. And he just has an enormous amount of money to give away. And he's been giving it away specifically to nonprofits in Kingston. And one thing they say is that he's got more money than the local city government. Is Kingston on the west side or on the east side of the Hudson? Kingston is, gosh, I'm not exactly sure, actually. It's near Saugerties and Woodstock. Hmm. Um, I think it's the west, west Hudson, probably, but I'm not sure. Because I remember a few months ago, I read about Newburgh, which is definitely yeah. on the side. It's across from um, uh, Beacon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how that also becomes sort of like during COVID, everybody who was fleeing New York City was just snapping up the cheap properties there and how there's a huge class divide now. Because the affordable. Yeah, there's been a huge there. class divide in Newburgh. I actually have, I joke about having my uh, vacation home there, but I have gone <clears throat> I've gone to Newburgh a couple of times and stayed at the same place, a lovely couple at this like old mill house in Newburgh, which I thought, you know, was this like she, she kind of um, Tony town, but they were quick to inform me like beacon, but they were quick to inform me that there had always been a a lot of racial tensions there. And that Newburgh um, has always had this sort of, pull uh between like cities rich city slickers and um poor locals um a lot of whom are people of color so that's interesting but um the same in hudson town hudson new york hudson new york is really is 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 even more it's even more stark in hudson new york than it is in newburgh we went Mm -hmm. to hudson new york actually the weekend it was our one of our it was god like our four year anniversary, I booked us a Airbnb in Hudson. Uh-oh. And I, when we were in that town, I was like, we were going into the antique stores, all of the antique stores, you guys, I kid you not, had $10,000 Mad Men couches, like all of that mid-century furniture. Um, mm-hmm. And I said to one of the shopkeepers, I was like, how many $10,000 couches can one town sell? from the Mad Men like production catalog. I mean, I just was like, this is bizarre. And then if you go a street or two over, it is hardcore rural poverty. And it's, um, I mean, it's a mix of like, you know, black and Latino and white poverty, but it is really stark. I mean, it is, it it made me, I I was like, I couldn't come and I couldn't live in this town. I would feel creepy coming here. You can in summer in that town. Yeah, I, 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 I. That's why I didn't like Great Barrington. I just was like, this is this this gives me the heebie-jeebies to have like seven hundred dollars sundresses when I know how much poverty is in these hills. You know what I'm saying? Like I know it's the same in the city, but at least in the city, I, I, I don't know the communities that surround the wealth have their own distinct lives that are a little bit that seem more formed or something i don't know i don't know what i'm saying i feel like you're putting out i don't know you're looking at it with rose-colored glasses because the class disparity in new york city is obscene 
It is. I totally 100% agree. And something that I find a little distressing is that that it's spreading into the entire country so that, you know, houses that used to be affordable for local people are now becoming completely out of reach. Mm-hmm. So home, own, home ownership is becoming out of reach. Yeah. Something that people could do on really meager salaries for a really long time, a, a, you know, a custodian and a, and a country, you know, teacher could afford on that salary for, for generations. 100 Yeah. What's also really wild is that they can't build houses fast enough. I mean, Jim and I were driving around the countryside earlier today and there's just like new developments that weren't there five weeks ago. You know what I mean? They're just building them as fast as they can and everything is like $300,000 and up. Wow. So people, it's not like people can't afford, clearly people can afford houses because they are building them and they're getting sold immediately. It's just yeah, there, but you know what? There's an underclass that can't afford homes. Yeah, but I just read that part of part of um part of what's happening is that financial firms are buying up massive amounts of real estate. I mean, there was just a huge a huge like revelation that BlackRock has bought huge amounts of residential property. And part of the long-term plan is to turn people into renters, to take the kind of model from the city out into the broader country. I mean, look, it's um, traditionally home ownership in this, in the U S has been a source that has been the way like middle-class people have built wealth, white middle-class people, not always that, that dream has not always been evenly dispersed. Let's be honest. But um the renter actively class. been been kept from from yeah. black people and, and people and of color. I mean, redlining. We don't need redlining. to get into the history of that, but it's it's it's. I have to strongly state that it's actively been kept from people of color, which yeah, sucks. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you like my my partner's parents were both black Americans, and they were your they are your example of what you were talking about. Kim in terms of like he was a janitor and she was a school receptionist elementary school receptionist and in in um California 19 I think they bought their house in like 1976 they scraped together everything they had they they actually did get a mortgage and they bought a place you know it wasn't a fancy suburb but they did you know they did buy a, a home and I feel like that just would not be very very hard but yes that is actively been kept from non-white americans um but i think that there's certainly i mean from everything i've read specifically wall street um you know financial firms have bought up huge amounts of real estate and if you're going up against a private equity firm you're not going to win the bid on the house <laughs> i mean you have no there is no competition there but you're also not going to win against cash buyers, previous homeowners who are coming in with, with, uh, with cash and making offers that are well above the selling price. At least right yeah. now, things may stabilize. But yeah, I have a question: How is everybody doing in their respective places with the COVID-like stuff, the Delta virus? We're back to mask mandates tomorrow <laughs> indoors in okay. Kansas City. 
like you a, said, a raging opposition of, of our governor and our house of legislators. Oh, wow. So who furious. issued the mask mandate? Yeah. Who issued it, if not the, the governor and the... No, it's just the city of Kansas City, and I believe St. Louis as well. Okay, so the, the city... The only two rational it. places in the state, basically. I read that article. There's an article about... <laughs> it's how you texted us that people in Missouri are going in disguises <laughs> to get the vaccine. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're digging into their Halloween closets and going in as, I don't know, Beetlejuice to get their, their COVID vaccine so they won't be recognized because a lot of these people live in small towns. So of course, everybody knows everybody and they don't want to be recognized as getting the vaccine and then receive the opprobrium of all their relatives who are anti the vaccine. It's just a reason. 532 uh why i moved out of the united states i just <laughs> wait i just can't the, the level of like stupid has gotten so incredibly ridiculous i can't it's um i i wish i could say it was fun to watch from here it's not it's horrifying but yeah wait wow. kim you don't want to see pictures of somebody in a groucho marx like um <laughs> You know, nose and glasses getting Groucho Marx was a Jew. They wouldn't wear a Groucho Marx costume because they're probably some not so uh, <laughs> anti Semite. Him, so, no way they would know enough about Groucho Marx to know he was a Jew. So, they probably there would be no Groucho Marx in their local party store. I'm, gu I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know. What? So they're, I mean, they're, dress, they're dressing up as Nazis. They're dressing up as <laughs> Hitler. To, so they won't get recognized to get their vaccine. Because <laughs> that's perfect. They're wearing their Ku Klux Klan <laughs> entire outfit to get the vaccine so they won't get recognized. And they no, don't even you, need to go to the costume store for those. No, Do no, they have it. They have it in the, in the chest in the attic. So you don't <laughs> need to buy it. But I have a question. Do you know what they're actually dressing up in? No, I wish the article had been more specific. I'm guessing they're just wearing giant sunglasses as large as your glasses from previous episodes. And, you know, you, basically the celebrity. They're all dressing up like Morty, the agent. Yes. Yeah. The celebrity going out to get coffee disguise. You know what I mean? So I think it would be funny if they came in in a Reagan mask or like, you know, the mask from Scream that was super popular for years. Yeah. Like the, you know. Um, the melting ghost thing. Basically. Yeah, they came in in that, in that. Although, how would you get your vaccine card? I guess you would give them their, their yeah. Anyway, sad. It's really sad. So they go into the little room where you're getting your shot and then they're like, okay, you have to take your mask off now, ma'am. And they take it off and they're like, Charlene? <laughs> you tell anyone I was in here and I will never bring you my homemade apple pies no more. Wow. I think yeah, these people want the vaccine, right? That's good? Well, yeah. It shows that in a way that they know they're idiots. I mean, you're getting the vaccine. 
So you know that this is a life-saving thing and you've weighed your options and you'd rather, you know, risk, quote unquote, getting a vaccine than the, a known risk of death and dying from COVID. But you're just going to be an idiot because Jesus, because Trump, because Republicans in general, because what did you want to... To play devil's advocate, well, no, you just I don't mean, want to yeah, hear shit right. from their family. You're like, I don't want to deal with my family razzing me on this. What, what happened to, what happened to people, you know, having critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. standing up for themselves? But this is a very timely, timely uh, conversation because, uh, yeah, I know what it's like to be in a family where everybody is. In- very religious and I'm not and really having to stand up for myself assert my boundaries you know and also kind of undo some of what I think is a lot of traumatic programming as a child you know no no I I love my family but um yeah I mean sometimes you just have to think for yourself yeah no community is is um is a powerful force I will say this from the statistics, the kind of like poll, polling, I don't know if it's polling or what the numbers that are coming out about people who've chosen not to get the vaccine, it is overwhelmingly people who make less than 50K. Um, and a lot of people don't really, apparently don't really believe that it's free. So there's a lot of suspicion over, you know, that they're going to get billed for this. Like they're going to bill? Yeah, that the, the they're going to get like a surprise bill because the American Can healthcare you blame system. Them? No, I don't. I don't. I actually don't. Mm, blame yes, people. yes, I can. Yes, I will. Really? You, I can't blame them for that, Camilo. You go to the hospital that you have to have a baby, for, for example. They put the, the, the baby in your arms afterwards and charge you, you know, $5,000 for something called skin to skin contact, with, which is otherwise known as just, I had a baby, now I'm going to hold it. Yes, I mean, that's, right. that's our healthcare system. But has yeah, anything, I don't blame them for has that. Has anything been advertised as being free more than this in the world? Uh, no, but I think people have, people have real distrust of the government. Also, there is a large, seg- not a large segment, but a sizable segment of, um, of uh, Latino and black Americans who do not trust the vac- vaccine that are not getting vaccinated. This is not just, you know, dumb Trumpers. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. is a complicated picture and it's not unique to this country. Like there were anti-vax Definitely riots not. in Paris. There were anti-vax riots in Australia. There were some in London, like something is happening just in terms of institutional distrust the world over. It's not, it's not unique to the United States. It's, it's a huge problem here in Barbados. Um, there is a lot of mistrust of of the vaccine. And this is in a country with a, a pretty popular PM who is a woman, Mia More Motley, um, who, you know, people love. And the government has been doing all the right things in terms of, of messaging about uh, the vaccine, even though it's kind of this odd grab bag of like, we get what we get. And that's part of the problem. You know, first it was AstraZeneca, which was a gift from India, and we all know how that went. And now it's this um, Chinese vaccine. 
Sinovac, yeah. um, which is, you know, less effective. And, and, you know, just as people were having conversations about AstraZeneca that gets pulled out from underneath them, and then they've got to think about this completely new vaccine. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and as it relates to people of color and black people in the United States, We've got to start having these these conversations and and just stop shouting over people, especially especially black people, and saying just have the vaccine, have the vaccine. You know, there is a deep distrust of the medical community for a very good reason amongst the black community. There, look at the Te- Tuskegee uh, experiments where they gave you know innocent black men. Um, syphilis without telling them. Um, I think they might have been, I forget, some of them were prisoners or so. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they were getting, you know, this pool of black men, but the most important thing to know is they weren't told, you know, the history of um, the history of gynecology um, also owes a lot to to black women's pain because we were literally used as as a sort of guinea pig as experiments um, and were thought to not be able to feel pain. So like we've got to have these conversations and there's there's a lot of other there's a lot of other examples um, and reasons that black people don't trust the government, especially you know in relation to vaccines. So it needs to be addressed. Yes. And the medical community, I completely agree. And I don't think that the, the, I won't, I'll say this. I don't think the for-profit pharmaceutical industry has exactly availed itself honorably over the past 40 years. I mean, in, in many, many like facets, you, you only have to look at the Oxycontin like (laughs) years and um, the FDA approving what it was essentially heroin. Yeah. yeah, to realize that you know people have m- institutional mistrust for a reason, you know. So I think just screaming at people that they're dumb dumbs, um, and turning it into like a culture war issue once again, owning the libs or, or you know, the conservatives are so dumb or it's all Trumpers. I just think that's really misguided and it's just kind of leading to people digging their heels in, you know. Oh, I just want to say that the Tuskegee experiments were done on sharecroppers. There were there were no prisoners involved that I know of. Gotcha. So, well, that was not that was more or less shitty. It's just shitty. Just wanted to say that. Not one of the shining moments of our the great America that uh, Trump wanted to bring us back to. Was it? No. All righty. Well. Once again, I'm embarrassed that I have to swing this thing 180 degrees from an intense, interesting, and serious conversation to my bullshit about what the kids are up to. What are the cool kids up to? What music do they like? Where do they go at night? Are they watching sexy Netflix shows or anime or both? Cool, cool kids like really cool kids. We want to know what you're up to. Ah, as if. Yeah. All right. So breaking news amongst Gen Z this week is that that uh, Billie Eilish finally released her sophomore album, Happier Than Ever, 
which is already immediately undermined by the uh, the album cover of her looking kind of glam with tears rolling down her face as mm. she sort of hugs herself in a very um, 1950s pinup girl kind of also um, it's pretty cool I don't know if you've seen the picture no sadly <laughs> no no yeah so I think I texted you yesterday that yesterday that this was that, that album was the soundtrack for my day. A lot of like low key warbling about how hard it is to be famous and you know getting people you hook up with to sign an NDA. We all know what that's like, right? One hundred percent. I you always sign the NDA. <laughs> I think in the old days, if you hooked up with somebody you didn't want other people to know, you would just be like, "Don't you dare tell anyone, or else." I don't know what the or else would You blackmail them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Do you guys remember Seven Minutes in Heaven? No. What's yeah. That? It's oh, um, the cl- going into the closet? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was a way to, I guess, train young boys to become date rapists. I don't know. <laughs> Have we uh, talked about this on the podcast? How the one, the one time it happened to me that the attractive redhead just said to me, we'll just, we'll just tell everybody that something happened, but don't touch me. That's kind of cute. I was too panicked to do anything anyway. It's not like I was going to make a move. Wait, Wait was this a girl? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, yes, it was. Oh, interesting. So, but the Billie Eilish lyric that I wanted to talk about is one that I, that I also sent you. And it's, uh, from the song everybody dies and she says everybody dies surprise surprise we tell each other lies <laughs> sometimes we try to make it feel like we might be right we might not be alone be alone so i find this really curious because i think a lot of a lot of people who are facing death i think one of the biggest fears is to be alone mm-hmm. and not be surrounded by loved ones and i think this is this is something that i think about Frequently, well, not frequently, but, you know, on occasion, because I'm an only child and I don't have children. So I'm in a relationship with a man and we've decided not to have children. And so when I'm dying, which I'm not planning on doing, but should it happen? uh, Because I, I should say that the next verse is everybody dies. That's what they say. And maybe in a couple hundred years, they'll find another way. And I'm like, hurry this up. Let's not wait a couple hundred years. Let's figure it out sooner, okay? God. But um, she is so, Billie Eilish is so in your personal personal consciousness yeah, of not dying through science. Yes. <laughs> She's, we're, we're pretty much the same person if you really think about it. Um, <laughs> And uh, I mean, I also struggle with the trappings of fame. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's honestly, it's very hard. <laughs> wow. So Billie Eilish really made you think deep thoughts. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you listen to the entire album, there's, a, there's quite a lot of deep thinking going on. I mean, she's, she's not saying, hey, baby, shake your hips, go, 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 work it, twerk it, and swerk it. Can we make swerk a thing? Hold on. She's- I, I need to take up for twerking, though. Mm. There's nothing wrong with twerking. I'm not Thank down you. on twerking. And and I love a good dance song. Everybody everybody knows nobody loves a good dance song more than me. Like, 
Kylie Minogue never sang about anything meaningful, really, but um, I'm there for her. Why is Billie Eilish is like 20, right? Why is she contemplating death so I think she's contemplating death since she was 13. I mean, she she was suicidal at one point, she's talked about. So Mm. she's she's definitely thought about it. But I find that really interesting because, yeah, it's something that I'm sort of vaguely at a distance worried about. That I could that you'll be, be alone when you die. Yeah, that I could be dying and literally, I mean, you know, who knows what could happen, but Jim is older than me. And again, mm-hmm. if if I'm to die and not become a brain in a jar, which is my preferred <laughs> outcome, and then linked up to some AI, which I know creeps both of you out, but I'm all for it. <laughs> I um I could be all by my lonely self in a hospital room and then <laughs> So, you know, when you heard about all these like COVID people who had to like die alone because their relatives weren't allowed into their hospital room, it doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? It doesn't. But I mean, in response, I'd say, A, we all die alone. And and B, how many of us have that perfect ending where it's like, oh, you know, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Gather all the family and, and friends, you know. People die all kinds of ways. Um, a lot of them are very unexpected. And um, yeah, we all die alone. I think well, the, very best, to it. the very best you can hope for in, in some ways is maybe even to die in your sleep. Oh, like yeah. that, that is- Or very yeah. suddenly, or very, <laughs> yeah. very suddenly. I mean, apparently Jim's dad just collapsed and was gone in moments. And it's awful for his wife who was there absolutely awful right. but as right. a way to go it's better than lying in a hospital suffering for you know days or weeks my um my neighbor cindy in response to news you know uh, news like this definitely makes the news in barbados um someone died in a popular uh sports bar here in the bathroom and the the headline was just awful it's like woman found dead at you know xyz bar um, and so everybody thought she was shot or murdered. And it just turned out that she was old and she died in, in the bathroom. And Cindy, if you listen, Cindy was like, I'm not, I think that's not a bad way to go. I'm like, Cindy, like slumped over in a toilet in a, in a public restroom of a bar. That's what, what? you're shooting for. She's like, like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Um, yeah. Well, I guess it's like, it was a sh- social place. Maybe it was quick and like, yeah maybe. yeah yeah a great time. it's like um it's like Moliere dying on stage you know you you went out how you like to live oh I forgot on the shitter <laughs> yes. well no having a having a drink with your friends at the bar breaking <laughs> well, the then, in that case she should have died like at a table with a drink in her hat hand okay that, that I can get behind okay but right <laughs> Anna like you know, grubby toilet. I that makes me sad, but I mean, hopefully she didn't suffer. You know. So uh, if you were going number two but died before you managed it, can you put on the gravestone? She lived like she died, not giving a shit. Um, very, very, very classy way to um, wrap you, it up. <laughs> do you want something clever on your gravestone, or do you want something sincere? Assuming I don't want a gravestone at all, but assuming you wanted one like would you want it to be not not something that clever no 
And anyway, I, I hate to break it to you, but if you didn't shit before you die, you will afterwards. <laughs> so I don't think that that gravestone is gonna apply because a lot of things go down, you know, with the human body um, right after you die. So, yeah. I will say this, my parents, not to get too maudlin, but um, we put the, you know, the Dr. Seuss, oh, the places you'll go. Yeah. We mm -hmm. put, oh, the places they went on their gravestone. Oh, I like That's that. great. Yeah. Because we try, you know, they spent so much time traveling and outside of the U.S. And so it was very, you know, sweet and a little, maybe a little bit quirky, but Can it was I meaningful. Ask you? Can I ask yeah. you, are they in the ground? Are they um, cremated? They were cremated. Okay. Yeah, they were cremated, but we, uh, my father had bought a plot near his parents. And it was actually the first time when we buried them, it's the first time I've ever seen my grandparents' grave, which has the Islamic, oh, uh, wow. you know. The crescent? Cre yes, yeah. the crescent. Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever seen my grandmother's name. Wow. Um, so that was kind of interesting. You know, I was like, her name was Afifa and I never, my father like never talked about them um, really. Mm. Um, Jim so has a plot that he's inherited in Kansas city too. So we could theoretically both be graded into it. I assume it's like, it's like a cheese, right? Like, like great. No, you put oh. the urn in the in the ground, Camila. Oh, you don't you grate, grate it. You yeah, don't grate the ashes like they're a fine parmesan. Okay. I do have a very funny anecdote. It's a extremely gallows humor, and I'm not sure I should share it on this podcast. But when we you were absolutely must. Okay, when the night before my parents' funeral, like the actual burial, because my mother died three years prior, and then my father died, and we did an, uh, we finally did a ceremony and it was very, very nice, very mean, meaningful. And I'm very glad we did it. And then the night that we were transferring my father from the car cardboard box, his ashes um, into the urn that he was buried in, <laughs> Shantane put on Alice in Chains, I am a man in a box <laughs> as oh, he transferred. The ashes and it actually was one of those moments where you're like laughing and crying at the same time Aww. and are those the best moments those maybe are the best moments they they're some kind of moment it was one of those if i don't laugh i'll weep so i'm gonna laugh and it was also just like life is gallows humor in the end isn't it like yeah um yeah so anyway and I'll say as somebody who's seen two people die, it's they're giving you a gift if they go rather quickly. Because with my mother, we were in the hospice and there were some people who'd been in there like three weeks, you know, a month. And that's very, very hard. Whereas we were yeah. there for three days, which was quite difficult. But, you know, there are some people who are, you know, they're there every day for like a month and that's really difficult but one thing they did say that was kind of interesting sorry this is getting so dark but um is My the Blame me. the hospice nurse told us that people often die how they live insofar as if they were anxious and scared people in life it often takes them longer to leave mm -hmm. Shit. 
Well, fuck. <laughs> that not bode well for Camilo. And they're, it's, I mean, it's pretty wild actually, because they do tell you like interesting things. Like when people start to really like, they're coming to their final hour or two, they start to climb. They make a motion with their legs and they reach and like. And, and almost, they almost 100% of them are talking to, to dead family members. Almost one, I've, I've read a lot of um, accounts of that. So whatever your beliefs are, is one thing, but hospice nurses have have uniformly said, from all accounts that I've read, that that's something extremely common. Um, yeah, and that they're able to clock. They're really, actually, really good at able to clock, being able to clock like how far away the person is based yeah. on what which of those behaviors they're they're exhibiting. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's fun. really from the yeah. fortune. Yeah. You remember so, how there are uh, people who don't want to listen to our podcast because they don't want to think about their own mortality? This is the episode. Well, well you're going to think about this, it. This is the first episode. This is the death episode. episode. But listen, Billie Eilish is thinking about mortality and death. And she's what, 18, 19? I really don't know. I can't keep up. So well, Gen Z is thinking about it. I mean, yeah, they need to know. They need to know. It the truth um yeah. no it's good to you know what it's good to i mean i think there's something healthy in um contemplating or you know talking about death it's it's not yeah. if if anything we totally hide it yeah i think when i was when i was that age maybe a little bit older but i read the sheltering sky by Paul holes and yeah. one of the most devastating things, and I saw the, I think I saw the movie first, to be honest. I saw Bertolucci's movie and then I read the book, but I think this line is in both of them. And one of the characters says to another, I forget who says, do you ever think about how many times in your life you'll see the rising moon? Four, maybe five times. I was just broken. <laughs> that just broke me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a finite um sense to to everything beautiful so but you really have to remind yourself yeah you might not be seeing the rising moon but you'll be doing other you know you'll be doing other things it's there's other things happening but it's a very succinct sort of expression of the fleetingness of life but if you're listening to this it also it's also really long sometimes guys life can be really drag out a lot so you know don't lose hope that's true. And if you've met, what's amazing is sometimes you meet people who are like 96 and they're like, I'm ready, you know, and you're yeah, like, oh, right. no, you're an amazing inspiration. And they're like, no, I want to go. <laughs> you're like, no, you, you, you know, it's incredible. Your family. No, I'm ready. I hate my grand grandchildren. All they do is look at screens all day. Yeah. They're like, no, yeah. I'm done. And you're like, well, no, you're no, you're not done. You're not done, Aunt May. And she's like, no, I'm done. I'm TV done. is too hard to follow. What <laughs> happened to simple plots? Uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very funny. I remember one time I was hiking with Kim on a mountain, and I was like, Kim, Kim? look, it's so beautiful. Kim, you, oh, yeah. Kim, and I was yes. like, it's beautiful. And she was like, what if we fall down? We trip and we die and break our necks. <laughs> and I was like. 
okay. I was like, look at the sun. <laughs> and she was like, no, look, there's pebbles everywhere. We could be, we could literally like somersault and then you would break your neck and I would break our neck, my neck, and we would be dead. <laughs> and I was like, Kim, we're in Scotland. I, I've never... Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true i do remember that hike it was beautiful i've never been one to shy away from the thought of death in fact i, I mean i guess a, a lot like billy eilish you know as a youngster i was trying to figure it out i mean because of my very specific upbringing but yeah you know it could, have, yes. it could come at any moment and that was the day know? i realized and that was the day you revealed to me that you had you were, you were like, I'm kind of obsessed with death. And I was like, oh, I got that when we were on top of that mountain looking over the beautiful vista and you talked about our necks breaking in half. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that like cameras, cell phones with selfies didn't exist at the time because would you have gone tumbling off a cliff to get a perfect selfie? No, like but the there's the a spate of that, huh? I, yeah. Yeah. All well, right. on, we, that we, lovely, yes, on that lovely, lovely note, note. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about making sure you look good up until your final breath. I just want to be pretty. Give me your potions, give me your serums, even your unwent. But that perfect workout, baby, oh no, I can't. I just want to be pretty. And it's time for us to talk about preventative Botox and whether or not you should get it. There's a lot of conflicting information about this, but I'm going to find an article. This is from Self Magazine, a very important periodical. And um, this is about getting, is preventative Botox in your 20s and 30s worth all the hype? Experts say it really works. This is a quote from the article. Using Botox can totally reverse mild lines and prevent them from developing at all. And he adds, the best time to start treating wrinkles is when they first appear. Initially, wrinkles will start to show up when you're making facial expressions and go away at rest. So when you're However, a baby? So yes, basically grab, it's time yeah. to grab the needle and stick your infant with some um, sheep like jizz, a little oh. bit of botulism. <laughs> Preventative Botox isn't for everyone. Everyone needs to use sunscreen, but not everyone needs this. Okay. Uh, thank you, doctor. Um, doctor who? I need a name. Goldenberg. Not Dr. Who, though. Goldenberg. Her name that is made up. No, no, not. no, that's what it is. Mm, Dr. I think Goldenberg. it's made up for the article. It's, it's possible. It does sound like a, it sounds, it does sound like a villainous doctor name. Um, it also says, FYI, starting Botox in your 20s or 30s doesn't mean you're going to be hooked on injectables for the rest of your life. Ideally, patients come back less and less often over time. I think that actually the reverse is true. Yeah, I feel like that um, is a blatant lie. I absolutely do not. This is the most untrustworthy. Doctor, really, is it in quotes? It's exact. No, it's not in quotes. Um, this, this doctor, I, I guarantee you, has a billboard next to I-95 in South Florida. Ideally, patients come back less and less often over time. Some may need a touch-up after four months. 
Okay, that's not less and less over time. Um, so every four months until you die. Exactly. And then you can die with a frozen face. Um, and that's proof that you lived a good life. If you're interested in preventative Botox, talk to your doctor. We don't have one universal treatment that fits all patients. So it is best to make sure to speak to your dermatologist about this best plan for your skin. Oh my God. I just, it just linked me to another article. This other article is about literally freezing your face in order to keep it younger. I guess I have a question for you guys. Would you do preventative Botox if you could go back in time when you were 20? Oh, uh, I'm frozen. No. Is it no? based, based on the income that I had at the time or if money was no, no issue? <laughs> oh, money. It, it's like you could, okay. It's like a special event type of thing that you could do once a year. Absolutely not. My, my face was beautiful as, as a 20 something. Like why would Botox gives you unnatural angles and, and, and weird stuff going on with your expressions. Like you're in the, the prime of your beauty. Why would you want to mess with, you know, the thing that shows all of your emotions? I just find it extremely sad. So no, I wouldn't sacrifice my youthful face and my natural, you know, beauty at that time for maybe some perceived improvement down the road when you're supposed to have expression lines anyway. So absolutely not for me. And also this would, in, this would imply that you have any sense of forward thinking in your twenties, which I certainly didn't. I didn't have a 401k, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I can imagine people who are responsible financial planners are maybe thinking about what their what their you know wrinkle situation will be like in 20 years, but I certainly didn't have the forward thinking vision and wherewithal to be like, hey dude, you need to be thinking about what your life's gonna be like when you're 40, <laughs> which was right. not at the forefront of my mind at all. So that's a no for you as well. So we're getting, so that's a no for both of you going into the time machine and getting preventative Botox. What, what I'm imagining, what I'm imagining here is some like a really kind of controlling parent who mm -hmm. is stepping in and saying, look at me. The only reason I look like this, or, you know, whether you look like garbage or you look great is because you didn't start or you did start really early and taking care of yourself. And I can see some of the younger generation, because we would have been like, fuck off, like parent, like we don't listen to our parents, we're Gen X, like, you know. Right. But I can see some of the kids who've grown up now who are, have, are really attached to their parents because their parents have been really involved in, in their lives. I can see some of these kids taking advice from their parents. You know, I, I don't want to gender this, but say for, because getting plastic surgery tends to be more of a woman thing, generally, not always. Right. I'm just picturing these like Orange County moms telling their daughters, hey, you need to start getting Botox now, like now, you know, or you'll regret it. Right. In 20 right. years. And they're like, it's your 18th birthday. You've always given me the best advice. So yeah. Right. I mean, it's pretty clear to me that all of the, the Kardashian people have had preventative <laughs> Botox. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've yeah, there's a family brand to maintain there. If not, you get ousted. Like, uh, what's the guy? 
<laughs> Who's the guy? Oh, the black sheep. Rob, the brother. Rob. Of the <laughs> yeah. Oh God, um, poor Rob. Yeah, um, he's maybe the only one who hasn't had preventative Botox. Maybe I think not may- for Rob think- though, because he's kind of a jerk. But yeah, maybe he should have gotten preventative Botox to stay. It's in. true. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see how they i'm fascinated by the prospect of all of the kardashians aging um so anyway kids take it from the old the the three elders here maybe say no to pb preventative botox earn those lines enjoy your face as it is for the people who have technically not had any plastic surgery are looking pretty good these days I think Frances McDormand fit. I mean, I think she's her watching her on screen is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Partly because it's it's seeing her age. There is nothing more bizarre than watching an older actor, male or female, playing an older character that is not a wealthy person where plastic surgery might contextually be appropriate, playing a normal person or even a working class person when they've clearly done work on their faces. Nicole Kidman, yeah. I'm looking at you. <laughs> and it's so she she exclusively plays upper class people though, I feel like there's no does she? Yeah. <laughs> like she knows what her brand is, right? Yeah. But it's incredible that you have to reverse age people who are age appropriate or even older to, you know, you you have to take like I feel like Meryl Streep has been aging naturally, but she's had some stuff done. So if she has to play working class, they have to wrinkle her up even more to the level where she would look. Um, also, what they did to um, Glenn Close for- Oh, um, Hillbilly um, Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy. Nobody asked for it, nobody wanted it. And now he's running for Congress and kowtowing to Trump. Embarrassing all around, but- you know, they, they, they had to make her look like a real person of her age. <laughs> I find that incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn Close is definitely pretty tight, tightly mm. yeah. constructed. <laughs> I think now. there are very few of, of uh, I think there are very few celebrities that are in the spotlight that we talk about that have not had work. I think it's just the difference between good work versus bad work. Yeah. Um, bad work is, you know, it looks natural or we, we, we're not drawn to it in a, in a bad way. And I think that's just the goal to kind of like, you know, slide under the radar for as long as possible, looking like yourself, you know, aging respectively, respectfully, or yeah, but, but, but not, um, but not, but, but looking better than your average person, honestly. Yeah, no. I think it's probably not pleasant. Um, do you guys, have you ever heard that famous Catherine Deneuve quote? You just raise your ass. Yeah. What is yeah. it? Um, at some point in every woman's life, she has to choose between her face and her ass. <laughs> yeah. Not, so in, not in 2021, baby. That's true. That's true. You can try and split the difference. That's what yeah. I've always said. I've always... I've always been aware of that quote, like, haha. Wait, is, yeah. it yeah. they, is it because they like take fat out of your ass and stick it into your face? Is that why? So the more it's you- It's because, 
no, it's this is pre all of that or pre most of that. I, mean, I think I mean, what she true. meant, I think what she meant is that women who have extra body fat look more youthful in their face. So yeah. either you're going to have a fat ass and a youthful face or a skinny ass and look like, you know, a hag. That's the, those are your choices. It's so French, isn't it? You can eat, it almost is. hear her saying it. It's like every woman has to choose between her face and her ass. She takes a big whiff of a cigarette and a like long holder. Giant, giant, like gulping cigarette smoke, you know, going in her lungs as she knocks back a a bottle of wine. With like oversized poodles lapping up cappuccinos at her her espresso at her feet. Yes, Um, 100%. That's that's the line. Who cares about wrinkles if you have that? Hey, we are we are yeah. going long. Surprise, surprise. So we we'll move on to the third segment. In 30 years, stuff will be different. How different? We don't know. But we'll speculate for the show. Come along for the ride. Let me let me bring it home and bring it quickly. Um, pretty soon we're not gonna have enough to eat. We're, we're, we're ruining the environment. We really got to start thinking about our food source. I wanted to quote from the um, failing New York Times, um, one mm. of Jenny's favorite publications. They, mine and DJT. Yeah, they do. There's an article that came out last year. I know, two years ago, but it's talking about the future. So we still have some leeway here, but it's talking about what, the, the, the title is what will the world look like in 2030? So um, I think this is relevant to the discussion. Ezra Klein, who is the former editor at large at Fox.com, a lefty leaning entertainment vehicle.com um, says, every year we kill more than 70 billion animals for food. The vast majority of them live lives of suffering jammed into the grooves of our industrial agricultural system, but human beings aren't exempt from its costs. Our meat habit is responsible for almost a fifth of the global greenhouse gas emissions, a third of arable land use, and more than 10% of the worldwide freshwater footprint. So he goes on, there are a bunch of other um, political figures thinkers, um, et cetera, who contributed to this and talked about different aspects, but he talked about food and, um, you know, we're talking about the world in 30 years and 30 years, um, by the time of our, our would-be children's adulthood, 2050, um, by 2050, we'll have almost a third more mouths to feed. And by the time of uh, our children's quote unquote adulthood, 2050, the world's food production will have to increase 70%. So we can't just be eating our meat with impunity. It, it, uh, it's creating greenhouse gases, which is heating up the earth, which is causing floods and horrible weather and causing uh, forced migrations of people and uh, polluting of, of water sources and uh, you know gen- general havoc. So I just have a little list of some things that in 2050, if we do the right shit, we will think more about eating. 
um, plant-based meat. There's Beyond Burger, Impossible Burger. I don't know if you guys have tasted those. They're based on a soy protein called heme, which is the same root of the word hemoglobin, which means blood. So it's our human, you know, taste for blood that they're trying to recreate in these plant-based meat burgers. I personally like Beyond wow. Burger. Um, I insects. like the Impossible Burger. It's wild. Yeah. It yeah, is, the, the, the texture of it is what's really wild to me, but it's so similar to, to red meat. It, I think, I don't know if I've tried the Impossible Burger, but I I like the taste of the Beyond Burger a lot. But the Beyond Burger um, doesn't taste like a meat burger to me. It tastes like its own thing. Whereas the Impossible has, Burger is uncanny. It's pretty crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's that um, him, it, him a molecule. It's even got the like red juiciness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's from that hime molecule, which is red, and it's the red stuff in meat, and it's that like mommy like, like meat taste that we like. Um, insects are a healthy fat and protein. I know everybody grosses out at mention of that, but many cultures around the world eat insects. Um, I once had a lemon pepper taco cricket taco that I thought was pretty delicious, crunchy, um, a little dusty tasting, not at all offensive. How were the, how were the crickets presented? Like what was um, there? Were they West, like, but, like I said, a lot of the world eats it. But tell me about the crickets in that, were the crickets in Yeah, crickets? yeah, they, they were, were whole, they were, they were in koala bear form. Yeah, they were in cricket form. Well, I mean, they were like round up and like reconstituted. Yeah, they were dried. Like you think when you get chicken from no, McDonald's, no. it's not like they just gently sliced off, you know, that um, we've all seen the pink sludge, like that gets reconstituted into chicken in McDonald's. So yeah, I wonder if they yeah, do the same thing with crickets, like they make a sludge or a powder and then like reshape it back together into a more palatable shape. No, because the me. entire point of eating an insect versus eating pink sludge from McDonald's is... is uh, Complete, it's completely antithetical. We're eating insects because we are aware of the environment and we're not afraid of like, you know, healthy proteins um, like mealworms, crickets, mm. all kinds of things. There's a, if you want to check out, there's a, a website called crickster.com and it's all about um, insect food sources and additives. Um, which are quite healthy. Um, and, you know, I think- Jen's think, face right now. <laughs> I'm trying to convince myself that it's delicious. I mean, you know, there might be in the future ways that this this Crickster uh, website's pretty pretty confronting because, you know, there it's, it's mealworm snack pizza spices and freeze-dried crickets and, um, you know, and the packaging just has little, you know, little pictures, icons of insects on them. So it is a little confronting for where we are now. In 2050, I think we'll find ways to, yes, create, you know, cricket flour and, and meal, you know, mealworm starch that can Some be added. Yeah, or, However, or kind of like cauliflower rice, except it'll be cricket rice or, you know, there we could do that now but i think people will just be more open to it hopefully um, and i feel like a real hypocrite because 
I feel really hypocritical with this because I always delight in eating marine creatures that freak people out. So, you know, I, yeah. will eat, I will like sort of suck on the heads of shrimp. I will sometimes eat the shrimp legs if they're crispy enough. I will, you know, eat oysters, which some people find really unpalatable. I will eat kinds Ooh, of clams oysters. that are that are not your usual standard looking clams, maybe the long clams, just clams that freak people out, right? Like in Spain, this mm -hmm. is very common where I grew up. So it's not, I just grew up with it. And for me, it's highly entertainment and entertaining to sort of suck on the head. Like that's disgusting. Okay, next level, cockroaches, Camilo. Exactly. Because they are making I, food out of them. I know, and that's why I feel like a hypocrite because that freaks me the hell out. Okay, cockroaches definitely freak me the hell out. <laughs> there's no there's no way no. I'm going to make a mental leap in nope. my lifetime to eating anything that is labeled with cockroaches. It's not gonna happen. And yeah. there was a whole movie. What's that movie? Uh Snowpiercer. And yeah. Yeah, they're they're traveling around the world in this. <laughs> I really love that movie, but That's I don't know. It was great. Good. Yeah, it was a great it's idea. The director yeah. of Parasite. It's a brilliant movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that they're all eating cockroaches, which yeah. you know. But Kim, are I, full of protein. I like I said, there is an article this week in New York yeah. Magazine, and the title of it is "What Happens When All the Bugs Die," and it's about our bugless future because there's bug genocide going on eco-genocide so uh, you know, here in central missouri yeah. i got bit by a million mosquitoes today so i it's, think we're, it's, we're good it's kind of a catch-22 because if we're trying to save the environment by eating uh insects but we're ruining the environment so we have no insects how are we going to save the environment by eating insects you know what i, I mean i think right. it's, i think it's i actually think those are um going to be unconnected because if we're eating insects actively eating insects as part of our diet they're going to be farmed and they're going to be managed by humans so it's the same way that animals are going extinct in their natural environments but we're still maintaining them in zoos and other nature preserves so if if humanity feels like they have to eat grass but it's not just about it that though it's about it's I, I hope so, but but I mean it's it's not just about that. It's about like the the climate and the uh, weather conditions and the food chain. I mean, okay, yes, farming would take take care of some of that, but it won't take care of of you know it being average of 115 degrees all year round. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I don't know. No, um, I completely hear you. I find this topic really fascinating because being living in the midwest which is a, a crop growing region right. right now it's basically been narrowed down to two crops here that's how specialized it is it's only corn and it's only soybeans so when you drive around the countryside that's unless somebody has like a you know a private farm where they're growing something else they might be growing fruit some fruit or something basically all the large farms are corn and soybean only nothing else at all so no like flowing weeds of fields waves of, of grain. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to like amber waves of grain. Yes. Is that yes. what it is? Like amber I don't waves of grain. I don't, know, yes. I don't know the lyrics. Is it even the lyrics? Would you say the lyrics to the 
Amber it, waves it, it, of grain. Yes. Amber it's, waves of grain. I don't know. Lyrics. Yeah. Look, look at them. So, you know, yes. I've been, you know, what's really fascinating is think about movies like horror movies from the 80s that involve corn. Right. Think about, think about people running through the cornfield, right? This mm -hmm. is, that's a trope. People running okay. through corn to get away from something. Okay. Where is this going? It's literally physically <laughs> not possible anymore. Corn is grown so close together now for efficiency that there's only about four to four inches maybe between each corn stalk. Okay, so, idea, so what you're saying is yeah. horror movies need a new, a new yes. place what for you're saying is, to hide. Correct. I I'm less a, likely to get murdered in a cornfield, which I think is a bonus. So great. That's I think good you're news. far less likely to get killed in a cornfield because the murder would have to be four inches wide to even fit in there. Now, the children of the corn would now have to be the toddlers of the corn for them to actually have right. a society in there. Well, okay. What's really interesting is the corn is like corn is a good example. It's becoming much more efficient because <laughs> it's grown much closer together. And they've now figured out a way that it can deliver corn growing shorter. So there's all this really fascinating technology. Um, and they're saying it'll grow shorter, so it'll lose less water and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that brings so me to number four and maybe the last GMO food, yes. gen genetically uh, altered food. It's a bad word for a lot of people, but we've been doing it for ages and mm -hmm. it means making plants hardier, yes. you know, more resistance to, to pests and weather, et cetera. And um, I feel like I'm the only one who finds this. more people. I feel like I'm the only one who finds the corn growing closer together and you can't run through it anymore. Fascinating. I, I'm just, I'm just happy not to get murdered in a cornfield. Well, so I'll that's one thing off the list. If you got murdered in a cornfield in very like tightly packed corn, at least you wouldn't die alone. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, what do you guys think? Um, should we wrap it up? Speaking of dying alone? I, I, I think, think we, we should. I think we need to wrap it up, but we don't need to die alone. We, we can die together. Like we can kill this podcast off together. That's right. Oh, well, that's folks, a really nice part. Stay alive and keep it perky. Keep it, keep it perky. perky. Whether it's your face, your ass, what else? What else do we need to keep perky? Your bug tacos. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes a soggy you, taco. The worst. Your outlook on life. Yeah. That's right. That's and, right. And That's you guys, most... happy, happy holiday. Happy. Did you figure it out? Oh. What is it? <laughs> Yes, yes. It's it's Emancipation Day, which is actually really important because it's oh, the okay. end of slavery in um, Barbados is what it's uh, uh, celebrating. So, yeah, keep it perky that that you're not a slave anymore. Keep it. Keep it perky, guys. <laughs> keep it perky <laughs> like this episode yeah. of or, Halfway There. Or now that you're not a slave, if you don't want to keep it perky because your owner used you to tell you to keep it perky, then don't. Let's just end That's this, right. guys. Keep it <laughs> perky because we're now a little closer to death after this two-hour episode of Halfway There. Even though there. it's much harder to keep it perky and so are you. to death, if you know what I mean. It's true. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week with better sound. <laughs> Oh, you'll have a new mic. That's exciting. I might too. That's true. It's been a delight Ooh, as always. Let's hope. Yes.
Bye, guys. Yes, it has. This has been halfway there, but it's also the end. The end of this episode of Halfway There. You get it. <laughs>